0: Hi y'all, this is Kim Wilson of the Fabulous Thunderbirds and you are listening to Iron City Rocks with my buddy John. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Joe Bonamassa and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Johnny Winter, you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
1: Oh!
2: Hello and welcome to episode 510 of the Iron City Rocks Podcast. My name is John. I'm coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 510, we are neck deep in the blues. We have joining us the headliner of this year's Pittsburgh Blues and Roots Festival, Mr. Tommy Castro. I will be talking to him in just a minute. We have joining us a return visitor Lance Lopez, who has a new album out we wanted to talk to you about. Uh, The Pittsburgh Blues and Roots Festival is actually this weekend, July 29th and 30th. It's at the Shriner Center in Cheswick, Pennsylvania. Tickets are available at pghbluesfestival.com. Those acts include Tommy Castro, Gabe Stillman, King Solomon Hicks... ...Jocelyn and the Sweet Compression, The Shriners, Blues Attack... ...Billy the Kid doing a tribute to The Three Kings... Uh, really a great, great weekend of blues music. Those tickets are available still at that website, um, so you want to snap those up before they're gone. Tommy Castro um, and I chat about his latest album, "Bluesmen Came to Town," which came out in 2021. We talk about uh, work he's doing on his new album and a ton more. So let's play you a little bit of that album, "The Bluesmen Came to Town." We'll talk to Tommy Castro. <laughs>
3: Was a hard life on the farm Plowing in the fields Chopping wood behind the barn Must be a better way To use these hands and arms you Heard about a roadhouse A mile outside of town Quitting time on Friday laid that before down he heard that guitar man, it shook him to the ground The blues man came to town He felt the touch The blues man came to town He caught the bug The port breathed in that sound When a blues man came to town on his throat all day Had an old pawn shop guitar And he taught that boy to play The music filled his soul Ever since that day
2: To welcome to Iron City Rocks, we have on the line Mr. Tommy Castro. How you doing, Tommy?
4: You know, I'm doing great. We just, um, I just got rested up from a, uh, a big, a grueling tour schedule the last um, few weeks. You know, uh, it was really an interesting trip. Uh, got to go to some places I've never been before. Um, you know, most of it was in Spain and a couple of gigs. Well one gig in Portugal and one in Italy, and the rest of it was in Spain. And I hadn't been to any of those places before, except for Madrid.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And, and so it was tricky getting around. It was, uh, you know, sometimes a couple of flights and a van ride to get to the show, <laughs> and uh, not sleeping much the night before, and, uh, you know, and then a, a long journey home, a 12-hour flight back home, you know, just um, the day before yesterday. or was it, yesterday? I can't remember <laughs> It was Sunday So yeah It was the day before yesterday so and, you, uh, But I'm all I've, I've all kind of Gone through my uh, Re-entry And dealing with The jet lag And whatnot, And uh, just resting up For a few days Before we head out again
2: Yeah you're but, uh, uh, Dealing with the delays here. I think your next album Could be called A Blues Man's Trying to Get Home you know, Yeah there you go <laughs> I, I, The the airports have been been A challenge this year to say the least Um, but you you are going to be coming into Pittsburgh hopefully which will take a little less effort than getting through Portugal Um, you're coming in to do to headline actually the uh, Pittsburgh Blues and Roots Festival on July 30th you're going to be closing the last night of that festival Um, you've got a a great record that came out 2021 if my mind is right the blues came to town Um, can you talk a little bit about um, that particular project I mean you've got some uh, a nice variety of kind of traditional and a little more up-tempo blues, and, and you've got some r b in there, obviously. Can you talk a little bit about those songs?
4: Well, you know, I was here I was, you know, with about 20 albums under my belt, trying to figure out what I'm going to do next that would be you know, that my my fans, and maybe even some new people, you know, that might come across us, will, will find interesting. And, uh, kind of scratching my head and thinking and wondering, you know, I wasn't going to just dive into another project without some kind of, um, some kind of, uh, hook, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I, it's a long story, but this idea to do something along the lines of a rock opera, but only with blues music, you know, came to mind. And I had to start doing a little research, um, ran it by a couple of, Important people like the president of Alligator Records, sure. and, um, uh, my uh, producer that I was wanting to work with, Tom Hambridge. And you know, and I just I asked around I, a few people in the business that what they thought of the idea, and everybody kind of thought it was a really good idea. So then I just had to create it, you know. Uh, I, had to, I had a few songs um, started and um, a few songs that might fit the theme well and then uh, the rest of it had to be written from scratch Uh, went down to Nashville wrote some songs with Tom Hambridge Um, and before I did that I sent him an outline of the story which is based on a a hero's journey and you know there's there's a thousand stories and movies you know films and and books that that are based on this idea of a hero's journey and it made it gave me some framework you know to work with and I had just read, before that, a book called The Alchemist, which is, you know, a classic hero's journey kind of a story. And so I kind of had that in the back of my mind, and, and I imagined, uh, you know, what it would be like um, a, a young guy that discovers blues and loses his mind, and decides to become a professional musician, and go out on the road, and that would be the journey. And with all the trial uh, and tribulation that, you know, is involved in a in that and uh and it usually you know it involves a you know a, a, a mentor or a stage or a, an old guy that advises the young guy and uh, you know so all of those pieces were had to be in there and and then it, at the end of the story you know it, 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 he's going out to claim his fame and fortune and treasure and um, at the end of the at the end of the story, finds out that the uh, the real treasure was the experience and the life lessons learned along the way, and and so so it it was interesting to put together, and it was uh, it was kind of a, a nice surprise that it all fit and worked out in the end, you know, because all these different pieces and parts,
1: mm-hmm.
4: and um, and then it, so then I just used my usual style of playing in writing you know the kind of songs that I, I like to write you know a um, combination of blues soul music
2: mm-hmm.
4: and rock and roll
2: Was was having that framework you know uh, the kind of the, the theme of, of the songs something that you found easier than you would have expected or did, did you get kind of into it and go okay this is a little bit harder than I thought it would be to get all these pieces to kind of fit together and move in in the direction of the theme.
4: Yeah, it made it a little more challenging because it, uh, you know, the, the story had to have a, a, a sequence involved in making a record, you know. You, mm-hmm. you just have a batch of songs and you have a variety of grooves and tempos and styles that are involved in you You, you want to make a sequence the album so that there's yeah. a flow to it, that, that the listener takes them on a little ride and and then you don't have to you don't have to really keep track of the story line. yeah but this time we had to have a storyline make sense you know along with the different songs and grooves and and we just kind of got lucky there that yeah. was all, all these songs that we had uh you know we had pieces of the story we put it all together and then it, kind of the last thing that i considered really was how this was going to be put together you know like yeah. it is usually the last thing we do is sequence the record yeah. well wait a minute I got this storyline to keep track of I can't just I can't just jump around yeah. you know that, so, the, uh, but luckily it worked out man. and the and the, and the album did real well for us so yeah, now back to the drawing
3: board
2: yeah <laughs> uh, that's interesting you, the, as you're talking about that I think you know, I always uh, admire the amount of work and I think a lot of people don't realize that going into sequencing and, and you know we'll talk to artists that, you know, I've got 15 songs, we'll try different combinations, see what feels right, but y- you didn't have that luxury, unless you did, you know said, okay, this one doesn't really fit here, i got to go back and rewrite it, so the story makes sense. Did you end up, like, wh- when you were putting the songs together, did you give any thought to that, like, in advance, as you're, you know, saying, okay, I want to write a song that's got to kind of play this part of the story. It's got to be a little slower tempo, because it's up against something that's, you know, maybe faster, and I want a little you know, Variation, or it was just total luck at the end that it all kind of meshed the way it did.
4: Well, the truth of the matter is, it was total luck that it all worked out because
2: I don't think I don't remember Tom and I talking about
4: uh, that. We were just we're songwriters, you know? yeah. So we just got in there and hammered out songs that um, that fit all of the different points along the way, right? Uh, you know, all the different pieces of the story um, that needed to be. Addressed and and we wrote you know like I said the variety of styles that I like to write and and how they were going to flow, and 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 keep the story you know in in line, we really just got lucky at the end that it all worked out you know probably one or two songs could have been moved around mm-hmm. third or fourth you know they might still be able to tell the story that way because uh, but but it, it, it as it as it worked out. We just, we, we really just kind
2: of, uh, made sense that way. <laughs> yeah, I imagine if you tried to write it that way, you know, it might have been clumsy. Maybe is a wordy. You know, I'm thinking it might have sounded like you tried to shoehorn something in here just for that sake. Yeah. So, um, yes, I was, it's uh, probably
4: better off that we just went for the songs and made made each song stand on its own.
3: Yeah. Uh, in
4: fact, uh, Bruce Iglauer, when he, he he said he liked the idea, he goes. I know that this is going to be an album concept, and the listeners going to have to consider the whole record, but each song has to stand on its own as if, if they heard just that song. Yeah. Uh, that, that it would make sense. And I, well, yeah, of course, yeah, that's, that's important. So we, we set out to do that. And um, anyway, it's fun playing the songs, you know, and uh, we're kind of at the stage now where we're, we have to go back and... You know, typically you put out a new record and you play a bunch of those new songs on your tour. And then uh, after a while, you just, you know, it's been out for a year and a half or two. And so it's time to start playing more of the catalog wherever Mm. we go. And we're down to two or three songs from the album now. Um, But, uh, you know, people tend to like us. They have songs that they've, you know, they've been following us for some time and they want to hear their songs. And so. I, you know it's tricky deciding what to play uh, it, it, you know we'd rather play longer than shorter right. because to get all the kind of different kind of things that we do in into a show um, it, it takes a little time you know so yeah. we get these short we get on a festival and we only have 60 minutes it's, it's kind of hard to you yeah. know just, to do what we want to just get done what we want to get done Yeah, you, so I'm, you, hope, I'm glad we're going to be headlining it at, at, at uh, pittsburgh festival which of course we we met, we were lucky enough to get on that bill a, a number of times over the years you know sure. ron Ron's a, ron esser is a is a fr- good friend of ours you know uh, started out being you know a, a club owner when we would come to town and play a show for him and over the years we've become pretty good friends and uh, we we we, th- we think uh, quite a lot of, of him in the uh, and the uh, the Blue Society and all the work that they do.
2: Yeah, yeah, in Pittsburgh. It, yeah, and it's it's awesome to see you guys back. So uh, Pittsburgh has always loved the band, and, and I think you guys have been well received. And it it, it works. You know, if you're from Pittsburgh and you and you heard what I just said, you know what I mean. When you listen to your records, you know, even coming from you know all the way across the country, it still feels like it's got some Western PA in its roots, or maybe we have San Jose in our roots, but. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It was, it's just
4: you know, it's a kind of a you know where I come from is a working class neighborhood mm-hmm. in, in a you know there, there were a, a lot of factories around
1: mm-hmm.
4: um, in in San Jose, California, where I grew up. It was not uh, what a lot of people think California might be like. You know, there was this, near, near the Central Valley where agriculture was was what, what drives everything, mm-hmm. and and then. Um, and then where I, you know, where I grew up, you know, it was a lot of factories, and we started, you know, sort of the whole compu- Silicon Valley thing, computers, and all of that started up there. But when I was growing up, it was it was different. It was more blue collar, right? And so I think that we connect uh, with with folks in in Pittsburgh,
1: mm-hmm. you know, a
4: steel town, um, that uh, I guess we all you
2: know, have, have some things in common that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, you, this has been, like you said, 18 months, two years since that album. Where in that process do you start with, you know, i got to start working on the next one, because you don't have, looking at your discography, you don't have many gaps more than a year. You know, you, you're pretty prolific when it comes to that. I mean, is this something where, you know 2021 you're you're pressing the cd and the record and and already starting to to put stuff together or do you kind of say okay it's been 18 months i need to hole up in the basement and write some songs
4: yeah it's more like the second uh, idea you know, for me because we we work uh, and we're touring a lot and mm-hmm. uh, and then of course i have a personal life you know that uh Pay attention to, and I yeah. like to you know, have a little time off and sure. join my fr- family and friends, but there's really not a lot of time for that, to be honest. We're, we're, we are we're keep pretty busy, and then I actually, you know, it gets to a point where, I'm like, okay, it's time to uh, start thinking about the next release and and uh, take some time to, you know, write, get together with some of my co writers, and make a plan, and, uh, and, um, we just took on some new management and, and uh there's a plan in the works for the next uh, couple of albums okay and I, but yeah I, I just I just let everybody know recently I go you know I am gonna need some time off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get this you know to, to do the creative thing and uh so you know we're, we're making a plan so that I'll have a little time for that but yeah this this summer's been crazy and we we um Added the European piece, and you know the last few years, just before COVID hit, mm-hmm. you know we started going back to Europe for the first time in years. And uh, it's a long story, but we were just reestablishing ourselves there. And after COVID, there was a lot of stuff that was canceled and we booked, and yeah. and so we're, we've been. they are going to be over there three times this year, plus you know you know doing what we do here in the states, which is our you know, bread and butter, and. Um, you know, we've got all these longtime fans in certain pockets of the country. And Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is certainly one of those. You know, yeah. we've got people that have been following us for 25, 30 years.
2: Yeah, it seems hard to believe
4: I've been doing it this long.
2: Yeah, it's but been it's been a few minutes since your debut. When, when you get out on stage, you know, now in 2023, you know, we're, we're a couple of years hopefully past this pandemic thing but do you feel a difference in the audience it's still at this point or is you know kind of people are invigorated to get out and see live music or is that sort of settled back down more to a normal kind of pre-pandemic
4: no i think people are still pretty excited about being able to go out again i mean it never dawned on most of us that a thing like that could ever even happen yeah yeah, uh, and and so now, people aren't staying home. You know, if there's a show they want to see, they buy a ticket in advance and they go. You mm-hmm. know, they're back. That's that's one thing that's changed is they're starting to buy in advance again because shows were getting canceled so often yeah, yeah. that a lot of people will wait until like just before, uh, you know, <laughs> the show was going to have make sure that it wasn't going to get canceled and they'd have to be, be holding a ticket for a couple of years.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I
4: t- that's Honestly. not happening anymore. Everybody's all the shows are going on, and so that's that's really I think helping, um, it, you know, with the advanced sales to to shows, and then uh, if the attendance is up, there's no doubt about it, yeah, all, it all the way around. It so does that's, seem that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people have probably you know a, a musician like yourself that I mean you could in some respects set your watch to you coming through you know people know you know there's certain artists that you, you know you're going to see so if i don't get this you know i've got something going on that day i'll catch you next summer the you know summer after worst case but i think people have gotten to that point now where it's like i'm not going to wait until next year i don't know what the hell's going to happen next week let's yeah, go see him now right. you know and that's yeah. that's um and i just I've noticed that is is a ticket buyer you know you'll some shows you'll think okay i don't don't even know how big this artist is in particular and you go and the tickets will be sold out or there'll be like some nosebleed seats left and it's a wonderful thing you know i mean as a fan sometimes i would like to have more tickets so i could buy one without having to go on the secondary market but you know the amount of people showing up at shows seems to be tremendous And, and and i was just curious if the energy was palpable like if you could feel that you know as the artist oh yeah Oh, that's
4: and it's cool for a, you know a, a band like us has been around a long time and seen it you know the rise and fall of the blues. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow, there's an idea for, for a song. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. But the rise and fall of you know the popularity and the uh, the, the whole scene you know and with all the new talent that's out there and a combination of the new talent and the old guard you know really makes makes it uh, uh, there's a there's a really right blues scene out there right now mm-hmm. and more, more and more people are, are, are getting on board you know and a lot of people that were you know rock music fans uh the kind of rock music that's out there now does, doesn't sound much like what what they were listening to uh really like but the blues kind of you know some of the blues rock stuff is it's closer to yeah. what they like you know so more really a lot of guitar driven stuff
1: yeah
4: and uh um, which is not my favorite thing about it, believe it or not, as a guitar player. I, I think it's, you know, it's taken, uh, t- I think uh, the guitar guitar players are taking up too much of the bandwidth of, 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 of blues music, but that's just my own personal you know, It's a small little gripe of mine. Sure. I, <laughs> it should be a little more diverse, you know, musically, style-wise, and, and whatnot. There's so much out there. I mean, that but my my thing is, of course, like I mentioned before, is I like I've got my R&B and blues, uh, traditional blues, rock blues, mm-hmm. uh-huh. r- r- just straight up rock and roll sometimes, right. and uh, soul music. Sometimes it's you know very much in that direction, or you know, funk, uh, you know, James Brown influence, mm-hmm. you know, and all of that stuff is, is in our show, which kind of makes us a little different when we when we go out because it's usually m- most acts seem to be in one bag or the other
2: I agree, and
4: yeah. not kind of dipping into all of those things which that would be hard for me to do to stick to any one of those things I, because I I love it all you know so um,
2: yeah I think that's that's uh, uh, maybe one of the things that makes your music uh, attractive to people is, is that kind of variety and, you know when you listen to that you know in listening to The Bluesman Came to Town for example you, you've got a lot of different a lot of different ingredients in that soup and I think that that makes it you know to not to be corny but very tasty you know to a listener it's not just a straight on blues rock guitar record with a guy who can't quite sing you know we can get that <laughs> you know but you know you've got you've got I mean you could probably put the guitar down and just sing and I think it would work you know and that's what I think is, is kind of cool about it is it's got a lot of different, a lot of different things in there.
4: Um. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the record, man. I mean,
2: uh, I really, uh, I really hope I can uh, come
4: up with something. But we, we always seem to pull it out, you know. And, yeah. and A lot of times, uh, if it, it, we're going into a thing, and I have my doubts, I always have my doubts. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, I don't know. I've heard people have different opinions about that. I. I like i admire people who are super confident and they go in and they go oh, of course i'm going to make a great record uh i don't feel that way i always hope to, i always hope to god i'm going to make it be able to do again and i think something about that nervous energy you know yeah. works for me you
2: know yeah and, and and hopefully that pushes you as a songwriter to, to you know not just be arrogant about you know and, and listen to other opinions and, and be objective to your own writing and um you know, which is important as well. You know, I think some people, you know, when they they write something and it's obvious my, with my reputation, this must be great. Like you said. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's,
4: no, it's, I don't. I don't yeah. That that's not me. It's just you know, it's just not the kind of a personality I am. But you know, it, I, it, it, it somehow it all works out. Yeah. I mean, every time, I mean, if, if the people around me are like, "What? Well, what are you? What are you talking about? It, at the end of the day, it's gonna be a, a you know. I might think I'm making this kind of a record or that kind of a record, and um, my 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 partner in crime for all these years, Randy McDonald, who was actually born in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, Randy has been with me for the whole 30 years. There was a little time where he was out of the band for a while for, you know, ham- family health reasons and stuff. But mm-hmm. he's it was we started this thing together years ago, and he's been my right hand man all along he's the band's road manager and stuff like that and so he knows me pretty well and he always says at the end of the day no matter what you think you're doing it's going to be a, it's going to sound and be a tommy Castro record yeah <laughs> and and because uh, i you know I'm, I'm trying to keep things fresh and, and um you know do something different and you know try to do something i haven't done before and i'm always trying to keep it you know a, Alive that way, and I. And, but he, he just he just reminds me that if, when it's all done, it's going to be a Tommy Castro record, and um,
2: that's that's and, what we and want. I
4: guess that's something that it's good for me to know. At the yeah. end, it's going to it's going to come out all right.
2: Yeah, I mean you've you've certainly done enough of them that I think we can uh, we have faith that we know no matter what you come up with, it's going to be excellent. So, Tommy, I want to thank you so much again. You're coming in to do the the Pittsburgh Blues and Roots Festival. Um, people are going to be, I'm sure, packing in there to see you guys on the 30th here in July. And actually, technically, Chess If you're listening, uh, we'll have links to the show tickets and, and to your site as well. And I want to thank you so much for the time today, man.
4: Oh yeah, sure, man. And, and thanks for having me on your show. And I'm a, a big fan of podcasts, so I'm going to check you out.
5: Government Mule performing the hits, plus a very special Dark Side of the Mule set featuring Pink Floyd classics. Mommy! The Mule, an audio and visual spectacle. Government
3: Mule,
5: July 25th, Stage AE Outdoors. Tickets on sale now at AXS.com. Government Mule, brought to you by Promo West North Shore and Iron City.
2: A giant thank you to Tommy Castro again. He will be in town on July 30th as part of the Pittsburgh Blues and Roots Festival. That starts on Saturday the 29th, concludes on Sunday the 30th. Tickets still available now. We'll have a link in the show notes at ironcityrocks.com. And you can also pick up a bluesman came to town wherever you get your music these days. I want to turn our attention now to Mr. Lance Lopez, a guitarist from Texas. We talked to a uh, blues man from California, now we've got a blues man from Texas. Lance has been on the show, um, been a number of years since we had a chance to talk to him, but he's got a new album out called Trouble is Good. Lance was part of the Supersonic Blues Machine, played with Johnny Winter, uh, got several incredible uh, solo releases, so we were excited to hear he had a new one coming out. Uh, had a great chance to talk to him about... Gear and guitars and blues and all kinds of fun stuff. So, we're going to play you a little bit of that new album. We'll get into that interview with Lance Lopez. far too long we have mr lance lopez on the line how you doing this morning lance
0: hey john so good to be back thanks so much for having me
2: yeah i appreciate it you are going to be releasing an album in just a little over i guess about a week at this point trouble is good um i have to say when i when i put put the record i don't have the record yet but when i when i put the mp3s on i have to say one of the most Attention catching first tracks I've heard on an album in a long time. Um can you talk a little bit about these collection of songs, you know, how far they go back, you know, when did when did you kind of put them all together?
0: Yeah, um well thank you. Thank you, John, again for having me on and and, uh Yeah, and and thanks for listening and and, uh I hope you enjoyed the album. I I, um we we began working on some of these songs, um you know, uh, kind of in the midst of the last album, uh, as we were completing the last record um, back in 2018 and, and released the record, we are on tour. I guess it came out in 2017. Around 2018, during the last tour, Joey Sykes and I, who had been a um, my co-writer and a writer for me, um, from the Supersonic Blues Machine era, from about, you know, uh, 12 or 13 years ago, um, he... Uh, had written songs uh, for a band I was in called Supersonic Blues Machine and then he also worked on my solo record that was simultaneously happening
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and so at 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 the once that came out we began working on a collection of songs we began working on ideas so we've had ideas that extended back that far well, after moving to Nashville, um, kind of pre-COVID, I took an extended break to kind of re- refocus on my wellness and, and, and took a little time off to to, to kind of recenter.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: when we got went back to get ready to go back to record again and, and tour, COVID happened. So that's what thrust us into this was COVID. We we just started these collections of songs, were pulled together very tightly, and so that also gave an opportunity to kind of go back over my life the last couple of years and kind of write about what was happening in real time. So. A lot of these were born kind of pre-COVID, but a majority were, bo- were born kind of during the pandemic.
2: Are you a, a, a riff then lyrics kind of guy, or do you you kind of have a more of a vocal melody and write around that? Is is there a, a a pattern you follow, or is it just whatever? It's just whatever. Um, a lot of times, it's
0: funny because I'm I'm about. And my girlfriend will say something, and I'll grab my phone. I'm always putting stuff in my notes in my mm-hmm. phone. You know, a phrase, uh, 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 somebody will say something, and I go, "Ooh, that's a good title. Ooh, that's a good line." And I always, um, you know, back in the old days, we used to have to have stationery and stuff to write on, and a pen and paper, and we'd have, have all these little scraps of paper. Sure. You know, in my backpack, and I would find stuff and go, "What is this?" <laughs>
1: you
0: know? But today, it's, it's notes in my phone. And then yeah, and then there's riffs when I'm practicing, and there's riffs that I'll have for years. That finally one of those lines that I'll come up with a couple of years later will fit into whatever riffs I've been working on. So it's it's it, it's both. Sometimes I'll write a riff and go, man, this will be a good song to talk about. Blah blah blah. You know whatever that is, whatever sure. I'm feeling that the intensity of that music is is creating. So
2: that's yeah.
0: usually how I do it. It, it doesn't. It, it's
2: either or yeah i noticed uh, with this collection of songs there's you know even in some of them they're a little more at least some of them a little more up-tempo slightly more aggressive you, you've got some rawness to it which i i personally loved you know like i said when, when easy to leave came on it, that was it was like sit up and take you know pay attention kind of thing was anything <laughs> was, was it is that your estimation of the music or is it just something maybe I read into it you know having not listened to the last record in a little while
0: oh uh yeah we you know we wanted this album you know, because I've always been um categorized as a uh as a blues rock artist right you know and so for this record garn we wanted to have this thing rock uh, 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 you know we have the blues the blues mm. rock we wanted to the rock a little harder than you know than just a traditional blues record um so we we kind of leaned more into that and, and it being like like i said we we were doing this album in the midst of covid we didn't know what was kind of really going to happen with it we just right. knew that we had to keep pushing forward and working and so we just that's what came out we just said "Man, let's make the record we want to make let's write songs we want to write let's let's just put them out and how they come out and you know, um, and and that was it. And, and they started to take shape that way. I, I, I let me take that back. There wasn't like a let's sit down and make a rock and roll record. it right. was like this is how the material is certain thing, and so this is just the direction that the music's headed right now. And uh, and yeah, Easy to Leave had been one of the first riffs that I wrote when I came to Nashville. Um, you know, having having gone through a separation and divorce, etc., and, and the ending of a relationship, you know, relationship, marriage, and. Hmm. moving to a different state and that whole thing there's there's several several songs well not several but a couple of songs on there that kind of diagram that whole thing and so you know that's what that's what i think retains the blues and a lot of this blues rock is that i'm still we're still writing about real life experiences real life emotional turmoil which is what the blues is all about
2: yeah it's kind of a a catch-22 with blues music You, you you benefit from some of life's hardships um, you know, and, and not that you want to have to endure right. all those things, but it's it's great fodder for material. But you know, you feel bad you had to go through it. But I think what what you end up with is such a universal theme. You know, I think many 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 people could listen to these tracks and and be in the same headspace. You know, even if if not currently, but listen to it and go, oh, I remember. You know, that right. that chick was crazy. I was glad to get away from it's her. Connected. You know, yeah. Um so I think right. that's, that's one of those things, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that you had to go through, you know, these things, but you know, in the long run, you kind of benefit from it, I guess. So, you know, the, and it's probably therapeutic a- absolutely. in a way. You know, B- oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent, you know, B.B. B. King
0: said, you know, it, one of his greatest quotes was you don't have to lo- live the blues to play the blues, but it sure helps. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it, it's the fact that, uh, You know, and it's a healthy outlet. It always has been a healthy outlet. And, you know, um, when I work with, um, you know, young artists and and I've had the opportunity to work with some kids that are having some great success now, Hmm. that was one of the biggest things that I wanted to convey to my students and and kids that I mentored uh, playing blues was that, you know, you don't have to be on drugs. You don't have to be all downtrodden and down. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that I'm living in blues and I'm all jacked up and screwed up somewhere. It means... You know, that I'm, you know, um, I'm going through some things and now I have the ability to channel whatever emotional, either good or bad. It can be yeah. good, too. Yeah. You know, I don't think Chuck Berry was sad when he picked up and wrote Roll Over Beethoven. <laughs> right. you know? Exactly. Like, so it doesn't have to be, a, it, it doesn't have to be sad all the time. It can be happy. So I think the, 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 the pure point about it is is to, it's to have an expressive, creative, healthy outlet. And to be able to channel your emotional, whatever that is, out through your guitar. And I think that is the, uh, because technically, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with some of the best guitar players in the world hanging out at my house all the time in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of talk about that because they sometimes they get a little bored playing, you know, just basic blues. And it's not that it's about the, the technical ability or the scales. It's about the emotion and whatever you're putting out behind that to express that is what makes it unique.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that that, that's a great point. I mean, I think most guitarists, at a very early stage in their development, learn you know the pentatonic scale or the blues scale. Uh, But there's a whole different you know musicians can do so much with it. You know, you can play these boxy little things, or you can do what Stevie Ray Vaughan did. Um, You know, so there's a a lot you can do with it that um, you know depends on your skill and your experience. Um, the song Voyager really jumped out at me from a playing standpoint, and you know, I was listening to that, I was like, oh, this is a little bit different. Can Can you talk a little bit about that particular song, Where where you were when you, you know, kind of headspace when you put that one together?
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you, John. Yeah, I, you know, again, as, as it's funny you mentioned Easy Believe and the now Voyager, because those were two of the first songs I wrote when I moved to uh, Nashville. Mm-hmm. And if you and, and both songs are in open tunings. Uh, one, Easy Believe, is an open G, and then I, I created an open uh, A tuning for Voyager, which was an, it's an open A chord, but then I tuned the low E down all the way to a low A, so it creates almost like a sitar or a Middle Eastern mm-hmm type of instrument with a drone effect on it and so it was funny because when i first moved to nashville i was really close with john hyatt the great songwriter and artist yeah yeah. and john and i were hanging quite a bit and john was getting he was kind of hitting a wall with his writing and i said well john i'm writing we were having breakfast one morning and i said well i'm writing everything in open tunings right now that's when i was working on easy to leave and voyager and he was, and, and he was really that. That really blew him away. Uh, he was really shocked by that. So I remember writing down a whole list of open tunings for him. The Voyager was one of those ones that I was currently working on at that time. And so, um, you know, uh, it, it 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 encompasses kind of a spiritual journey. It kind of an without getting too religious, y or you know, kind of coming with any kind of preachy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, your 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 connection to your spiritual deity, whatever that is, whatever you believe in. I don't, you know, uh, I don't care what you believe in, just as long as you believe in something that you can depend on that, that, right. that can get you through a 24-hour period, you know. Um, and that's what this talks about. It talks about uh, relying on that source. And so, also at the same time, for the last couple of years, I've been reading a book called The Law of One. By uh, Don Elkin, who was a researcher who uh, used a girl as a medium and uh, had some telepathic communications, allegedly with the uh, with the, the, the ancient um, Egyptian god Amun Ra, who they call Ra, and it was this very interesting book to read. And a lot of the the ancient aliens guys, which I'm I'm friends with from back from the 90s. Um, you know, I knew they had all been into it and never had really gotten into it until uh, the last couple years. I've just never really paid much attention. And so I'd just you know a good read and a fun read. And so it was really interesting. So um, you know, it kind of encompassed that little story too because that's what all of our my great heroes from the 70s and the 80s and the 60s, all that era, you know they were well read you know and then they wrote about what they read about whether the you know fantasy books or you know or or, or real stories or whatever so it was just it was another one of those kind of things i wanted to have a bit of more progressive music and when i I began to think of songs in those terms i began to think about um how heavily influenced i was by um rainbow and Richard blackmore and and that band and i also wanted to showcase some of the the uh influences that I have not showcased in my music in the past, and and that being that I feel like I don't talk about Richie Blackmore enough. I feel like he was super important to my guitar playing. Mm -hmm. One of my best friends, Simon McBride, just joined Deep Purple, as a matter of fact, replacing Steve Morse, and we were just on some shows together at the beginning of the year, and we were just talking about how amazing it was and just how true to form and just how important, um, you know, Richie Blackmore was to us. and um, So you know, uh, that being said, um, I immediately reached out to Bobby Rondinelli, who um, I've known Bobby from the days I lived in New York City back many, many years ago. And uh, he <clears throat> he he replaced Cozy Powell in Rainbow um, back in the early 80s when, when Joe Lynn Turner joined the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, and had Cozy Powell been alive, I would have been reaching out to Cozy. So we brought him in and we brought in Danny Miranda from Blue Oyster Cult. Um, who also plays in Queen with Brian May. And um, we, we brought them in as the rhythm section we went to New York. And so we, we began to build Voyagers. And that was the thing that I, I, I you know... Um, Bobby knew immediately what I wanted to do just by hearing it and, and, you know, and that he's the probably the only guy on the planet that can play as close to Cozy Powell as anybody. You know, I mean, he replaced Cozy in Rainbow and he replaced Cozy in Black Sabbath both. So he... He kind of came behind Cozy in two different bands, so yeah. I, you know, our whole thing was let's encompass that entire sound. So, and then it just and then we just built it, and so the end of it, the I am Raw, is kind of the story of the ascension of Raw back to Venus or whatever wherever he went to, and you uh, and then the tremolo guitar is a is a tribute to Jeff Beck, so it's in the style of Jeff. And it's kind of ascending away and an ascension into heaven, and you hear the, the Jeff Beck guitar lines at the end. So there's also a dual thing there. It's, it's part of the story, but it's also a part. It's a tribute to Jeff at the, at
2: Yeah. Well, that, that's an awesome, awesome background on them. I mean, you were telling that I was thinking of like Neil Peart, that you know when, when you mentioned about you know bringing exactly. literature in, and I, I'm loving this because you get black on exactly. the back, and you know I was you know that i want to go back and listen to the song again and and you know start the record with that one but that's um it's cool question for you on the from the guitar angle when you you mentioned these open tunings and in the inspiration you can kind of get from doing that when you solo do you do the solos in that open tuning or do you go back to standard tuning for to cut the solos
0: uh either or i but a lot of times i'll go back to standard um especially if i'm playing just a you know a a minor Mm pentatonic which is primarily what i do sure if i'm playing like a you know a standard kind of a a solo yeah Uh, if it's something interesting then yeah i'd probably stay in the open tuning it depends if I'm, i'm playing straight guitar slide guitar or what kind of guitars i'm using um but I will. I will go back and um, easy to leave. For instance, there's tracks of the slide guitars, of course, in open G. Mm. But then the second half of the, the guitar solo, it is a standard tuning guitar. In uh, live, I've live I've been able to try to duplicate it pretty close. But uh, I'm in open tuning, so I have to. It, it's a it's a totally different mental place because. I'm playing one section in on open tuning on slide, and then I have to transpose it back to open tuning. So I, it's it's a lot to think about sometimes when I have to you know go back and when I'm playing a standard solo in open tuning, it's it's a little funny.
2: I'm actually delighted to hear you say that you have to think about it because anytime you know you you get the you know hey, I want to play some Rolling Stones and I'll, I'll go into in open tuning and then you, know, you want to maybe jam to a backing track and I'm like. I can't do this, my brain can't, you know, I'm used to these, you know, patterns right. and, and, you know, the the notes in one place, and now they're all in different places. It's fine when you're doing a chord, you're just kind of paying attention to what fret you're on, but when you go to solo, you're like, I really need to know what key these notes are in, and I can't figure this out. So I'm glad to hear that you need to think about it with your experience, because it blows my mind, uh, but it, it does come for yeah. some fun stuff. I was thinking of a, a long time ago reading an article from the um, I don't know if you've ever looked at any Google music, but he Johnny Resnick, the guitarist, did you know some very mm-hmm. bizarre tunings oh, yeah. in some of his music, and he had said he had did that just because it would inspire him to write different things, you know, trying different tunings, making up tunings, I, right?
0: Yeah, that's what I did with Voyager. I mean, I just I took an open A tuning and dropped the low E down. And absolutely it makes you. You know, tunings, um, certain pedals or effects or amps yeah. or a guitar or, you know, uh, an incense I'm burning. Um, yeah. A certain kind of coffee I'm drinking, kind of tea. I mean, all these things play variables into the, into the, uh, the influence of the artist. And you should, you know, definitely be comfortable and, and, and pull out what, you know, what in a comfortable environment. There's nothing worse than trying to force something out or. Mm-hmm. You know, being in a rush and being pressed for time, blah 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 blah. That doesn't ha- that doesn't help. You know, a musician kind of uh, naturally um, deliver what what should come out. So I think that's which is kind of what takes me sometimes between records because I I never want to force material out. I never want to just throw a record out there. I want to I want to work on it and make sure that it's completely right until you know um, as right as it can be until we release it. And so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so like it's it's definitely a um, an issue of, of of that.
2: You know, was there as far as gear goes? I, I think a lot of times we see you with a Thunderbird. Is that kind of the primary guitar you record with? Are you Les Paul guy, or, or do you one of those people with twenty five guitars and mix it up, see what feels best?
0: Oh God, no! I used to be, I, I used to be until the X. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, no, we uh, I um I uh, you know I you know the thing about having tons of guitars like that is that I can only play one at a time. Yeah, you know, and a lot of my heroes um, played one Les Paul. I mean, you know, when you see the guys, our guys that are our heroes, you know, you saw them with one
1: Les right. Paul
0: primarily. Yeah. I mean, um, and so for me, that's 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 kind of the key and that was the discussion i actually had with um with billy gibbons and it's one of the things that i've you know in my early years and is that i had such great mentorship from such great guitar players iconic guitar players that um that i was just i environmentally um and regionally exposed to you know being growing up in texas and so um you know i uh you know, we discussed that and we discussed that, that whole situation. But yeah, the, to answer your question, the, the Firebird, uh, is, um, primarily the main guitar. Um, and it was a build that happened, uh, from the custom shop. There were two, there are two, two primary guitars. There's some extras in there that, that we use off and on, but the two primary that are, uh, the mainstays are, um, there's the Firebird, which we call the Bluesbird, which mm-hmm. is the, the nickname for it. Um, and it was a build that happened uh, with Cody Higby and, and Kevin vaughn Palmo, and Steve Christmas. Those two guys are no longer the big, uh, Rick Gimbar era of the Gibson Custom Shop. And it just kind of came about through conversation. Um, you know, I had never played uh, Gibson Firebirds until, you know, working and... Spending time and, and having a mentorship relationship with Johnny Winter. You know, um, I had a lot of great moments with Johnny, and, and some of those moments were at his home in, in Connecticut with him and his wife, Susan, and just hanging out all day and listening to all his old Delta records. And we got to talk about guitars one day, and he was just like, man, go in there and check out mine. They're all in there. Go get one. And I opened the first one up, and it's the white Firebird from Captured Live. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, wow, this is a white one.
2: Could one to and, start you know, with? And
0: that's how it began. And I sat down. To, right. And that was the one to. say, you know, and, and it was, it was like I think I can do this. I sat, down, you know, and I sat down with the Firebirds. You know, I remember trying to play the Sunburst one, and it was pretty much unplayable. The neck was twisted, and all. He did, hmm. All Johnny really did, ever did on it anymore was play slide. You know, but but it, so that that began the, the journey and so I reached out to Gibson and, and they sent me a, a, a new Firebird as, as right when Johnny passed like it was probably a month or two before Johnny passed away and it had these new tuners on it it would stay in tune I kind of had some issues and went back and forth with them and was kind of unhappy they they, they were trying a new tuning system on these Firebirds so I had some conversations um, with Mark at Gibson at that time who's no longer there and we uh um, Talked about. Uh, I talked about um, having a, a, a Firebird that had the profile of a Les Paul neck. you know, that had the shape of like a 59 Les Paul, although it was, so they had this made-to-measure program, mm-hmm. and unbeknownst to me, <clears throat> they put the guitar together and kind of surprised me with it, um, and I was, I was really shocked about it, and, and it was a great topic. but the, the color was, was great. It was kinda of during the supersonic blues machine era, so we really wanted the blues bird to kind of represent that. Sure. So it has been a mainstay, everybody loves it. I have guys in Nashville that pick it up and play it and they just they, they offer me money immediately. They just try to buy it from me every time <laughs> they play it. You know, they love it. And then the other is my Les Paul, the Creeker, the, the Barton Creek burst, which um, you know, came to me um several years ago, quite quite a few years back now and. um also from the Gibson Custom Shop Made, made to Measure program. And uh, I had a show that I was going to uh, perform for Gibson in Austin for the Made to Measure uh, program for a uh, South by Southwest event that got mm-hmm. canceled, and I had canceled the West Coast tour to do it. So in, in, in token of me doing that and having to cancel the show, and their show got to cancel as well, they, uh, you know, they asked me, they said, man, what, what can we do? What, what can we do to for you know this, for this, this trouble? And I just went, you know, they wanted to build me, like, a signature guitar, you know, at first, and model. And I said, man, because we had talked about a Flying V, and that was kind of not really moving forward, and I really wanted a custom Flying V. So, I just said, I want the best R9 Les Paul, like, and I don't want it to be, like, heavy, and I love Tom Murphy, he's my bro, and I jam with him a lot, I see him all the time, you know, I I love Tom, I go all the way back with him. But, you know, some of the Murphy Lab stuff and the, and the Relic stuff, I was like, if I want a guitar, I want a Relic it myself,
1: yeah.
2: you
0: know. I want to put the wear and tear on it, you know, myself. And so, but I do love the best stuff that Gibson does. So, I uh, I said I wanted it to be BOS, not Heavy Relic or aged or any of that stuff. And uh, I just, I wanted it to be really good. So, they took it upon themselves to have the, uh, they had the specs of Pearly Gates, which is really Gibbons' main guitar. It should be Pages, West Paul, uh, the number one. And... And I, I'm trying to remember back, and I've, I've talked about this recently, but there's a, apparently there's also a, um, some specs from I guess a Hotel California Les Paul, and I'm not sure if it was Joe or Joe Walsh or Don Felder's guitar, but there's there's some of that in there as well. But I know that it's primarily number one in the Gates. And I'll never forget when we opened the case at the showroom in Austin, Mark Shomjaneri, who was my my entertainment relations at the time down in Austin. I mean, he, he wept. <laughs> you know he yeah. wept that's how great it is so um, and G- Gibbons has loved it Gibbons named it when I got it I stayed at the Barton Creek the Omni down in Austin and I uh, stayed up all night playing it and I I, I put a I put a the uh, guitar in a chair a raw hat chair and the sun came down and sh- and we glared on the top and I took a picture and sent it to Billy Gibbons and I said um, and I just sent him I didn't say anything with it I just said he goes what's
1: that I said that's
0: I just came down and got this guitar from Gibson and blah, 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 blah. And he goes, where are you? And I said, I'm at the Barton Creek Resort near near BK's in South Austin. You know where I'm at. And he goes, well, that's the Barton Creek Burst.
1: And there
0: so it's that kind of mechanic. I mean, he loved it. I mean, every time he's around me, he wants to see it and play it, pick it up, and shot pictures with it. He loves the creature. And because the creature, it does have more specs of pearly gate than it really does. It's because you play the Jimmy Page guitar, the necks are thin, it's not all the wiring and mm-hmm. stuff. It it actually feels more more like uh, more like I think cosmetically it's a lot like Jimmy Page's, but but really the guitar guitarist, primarily like Curly Gates. So he really loves it. He named it. But those are kind of my two mainstays and then I've got other various plus calls and other things that we kind of use on the record Stratocasters like on, on Voyager going back to Voyager I used to the Michael landau Strat you know I'm an, I, I'm a Gibson artist I mean I endorse Gibson but you know in the studio or everything you know, vendor but it, you know it's not encouraged of course by but, <laughs> but yeah but uh, you know there were certain things that you know and so the Mike uh, we the Michael Landau Strat we used Producer I was working with Doug Bossy there in, in, in Nashville, um, had one, and it was one of the greatest Stratocasters I've ever played. I mean, it was unbelievable one I know Mike. I've known Mike for many years. And of course, all of his, his epic session work he's done for the last 40 plus years. Um, you know, I was just really fortunate to be around Mike a lot and hang with Mike a lot in LA back in the day. And so, to play his guitar, it would have been a whole lot. And, you know, when I played a Strat, it, you know, especially in my early career, it was kind of primarily in the style of a Jimi Hendrix or, or Stevie Ray or, Robert Robert Trower or yeah. any kind of number of that kind of style. So it was really interesting for me to play a strat and think of Richie,
1: you yeah. know, and
0: that's why we had the tremolo. And if you're looking for that, that solo, I really was trying to pay homage to, uh, to how important Richie Blackmore like, was to me. So we needed a Stratocaster in order to do that, you
1: know, we, yeah. uh, you know, um, so.
2: That I think with that and, and and channeling some Jeff Beck in there, you, you kind of it just feels and sounds Absolutely. sounds right because you, you can't get yeah. that. You no offense to Gibson at, at all. I mean it's it's a the wonderful bit but there's certain sound you get out of a Strat that is just different. And there are times where that isn't the sound you want but there are times where you can't get it right. any other way so i certainly understand that well lance i want to thank you so much for, for talking to us about the album the album will be out on the 14th and uh, kudos for not releasing the album on the same day as taylor swift so you have a chance to get some market share uh trouble is good we'll be out on the 14th uh cleopatra records correct yeah Excellent. and
0: Cleopatra, that's yeah.
2: correct. For folks, I know you have some tour dates on your Facebook page. Is that the best social media for people who want to keep in touch and see where you're in your area, or in, you're in their area, I should say?
0: Absolutely. We're always posting on socials, you know, Instagram, at Lance Lopez Guitarist, um, Lance Lopez on Facebook. And also, the, the best and most surefire – uh, currently updated way is to go to lamplobes.net, our official website, and just hit tour dates. And then we have a band in towns, uh, band in town calendar gotcha. that um, is is updated um, regularly. And there's st- there we re- and so we have a tour that's that's shaping up for the fall for the for the album and and dates are coming. More dates are, are added. So we're just announcing them as they're as they're confirmed. So we have a lot more in the works, and we, we're hoping to get. Back to the East Coast, the Midwest, the West Coast, and and and, and back down in our region, and and then back hopefully back overseas uh, after after the first year next year. So, we've got we've got a lot of stuff in the works. So yeah, absolutely. Please check and Check the tour date.
2: Awesome, well, Flint, thank you so much. I wish you all the best with the record, and, and hopefully we'll be talking about a new record not that long down the road, man. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, John. Thank you so much. It's so good to talk to you again. Thank you so much.
2: All right, the new album, Trouble is Good from Lance Lopez, is available now. Hopefully we'll have Lance doing a show at Moondogs here in Pennsylvania or somewhere in the uh, vicinity soon. Uh, Great guitarist, great guy. Appreciate him doing that. If you want to pick up that new record, we'll have a link to that on ironcityrocks.com. Get all the information about the Blues and Roots Festival about Tommy Castro's album. It will have links to everything in this show over at IronCityRocks.com. We invite you to check out also our social media. They're all Iron City Rocks as a name, or a lot of stuff on Facebook. Uh, show announcements, ticket giveaways, that kind of stuff. So I invite you to check us out there. Also, you can drop us an email, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know about a band we don't know about. Tell us somebody you're tired of hearing on. We don't care. Any feedback is very much welcome. And we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show.